0: Welcome to the Mortgages AF podcast, where we talk about all things mortgages. I'm Mark, and I'm a Mortgage Advisor and Managing Director of Albion Forest Mortgages. And today, I'm joined by Stuart, who's Brand Director at Teacher Mortgages. Stuart, why don't you tell us a bit more about yourself?
1: Well, okay, Mark. Yeah, thanks for that. Um, <laughs> I suppose the first thing to say is probably I'm normally the old person of any any function I work in. I've worked in financial services for 38 years and hopefully I can bring a bit of experience to the table. Um, I'm a a senior mortgage and protection advisor. Um, I'm also the brand director uh, for Teacher Mortgage uh, for Albion Forest. Um, And hopefully, yeah, I can uh, bring something to the table and help anyone who needs that going forward.
0: That's perfect because uh, I think you've been in financial services longer than I've been alive. So, yeah, that should, <laughs> should do as well. Um, right. So, today we're actually talking about first time buyers and what they can expect. Uh, obviously, you we both had quite a lot of experience with first time buyers, and um, it's primarily what we do a lot of at, uh, at both Albion Forest and at Teacher Mortgages. So, we've Done this a lot of times, and what we're going to do is just go through all of the the main things we get asked by first time buyers and what they what they expect and what they don't know and what they want to know. So uh, we'll go through that today, and yeah, hopefully it will be of help to some people. Um. So the first thing that we've got to talk about is how much deposit will they need. This seems to be the first question any first-time buyer asks me when they phone us up they say how much deposit do i need and uh, the question is how much have we got really but uh, it, i find most people that's the, my answer is usually how much have you got because ultimately that's what matters more than than how much mm-hmm. do you need uh, how do you find it sure
1: yeah very, very similar and because uh, it seems to be for some reason a gray area um and I suppose for different types of mortgages, it can vary as well. Uh, and I know we'll probably speak about different types of mortgages um, uh, as we go through this podcast. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the basics of it is, uh, as a very minimum, uh, a first-time buyer is going to need a minimum of 5% of the purchase. Uh, yeah,
0: market. exactly uh, that. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's pretty much the my response to to everyone once you've said uh, how much have you got you, you know the f- next thing is uh it needs to be five percent the the what do you do if someone says to you well i haven't got five percent i've got three thousand pound what's the solution for them
1: well i, I suppose the, the the number one thing is um that many people have got um family uh, parents i mean it needs to be direct family uh, who may be able to support them uh, and maybe give them a, pro- a deposit. Uh, that seems to be a really big thing these days, uh, and something that probably years ago uh, wasn't open to people. Um, but these days, uh, a family-gifted deposit is something that really can make the difference to a first-time buyer. The, the one thing to say on that is it has to be gifted. It cannot mm. be loaned so you need your direct family to say we're happy to gift you this amount and we don't want it paid back
0: yeah that's really important and they they have to sign something saying you know it's legal they they can't ask for it back so it's um yeah i think uh family helping out family is a big thing and we're not going to go into it much today we've probably got a whole episode on for how family can help um first-time buyers uh, buy a property and things, things like joint borrower or proprietor or um, releasing funds from their own home in order to gift a deposit and things like that. But uh, yeah, I think uh, certainly getting a, uh, a gifted deposit is the most common thing that we see. Uh, I would say probably at least half of my first-time buyers have uh, a gifted deposit, if not more. I think it's it's more and more common and needed these days because house prices are so huge compared to compared to what they were 20 or 30 years ago. Um, yeah, I mean, there's always the other option of shared ownership, and we'll get onto that a bit later, which obviously requires a smaller deposit, and I think um, that is another solution for some people as well, but not everyone. Um, the next sort of question we get, and we get it a lot, is what documents am I going to need? And I think, obviously, ultimately, it comes down to the uh, to the lender, so each lender requires different things, but we can sort of give people an idea of the core things that they're going to ask for, can't we? We um, can, yeah. What what would you say are the sort of three or four most common things that a lender is going to require?
1: Okay, so um, as far as this is concerned, uh, you're, you're exactly right, Mark. I mean, certain lenders will ask for different things and different number of things. Um, but for a first time buyer to be aware, the things that, that may be asked and we will ask for is uh, three months pay slips, uh, or if you're uh, self employed, uh, we'd want two or three years uh, completed accounts, um, three months bank statements uh, because they want to ensure um, that you know that what you're telling them is true, what's going on in and out of your account. We'll also need uh, a credit report. And for ID, uh, a passport, driving license, or utility bill. Mm-hmm. Um, just going off the back of, you know, we were talking about deposits and uh, and maybe if, if uh, a parent or a family member gifted you a deposit, we would also need proof of that. Yeah. So we would need to see a document signed by, by the family member to say they don't want it back, but we would also need to see uh, the account that the money came out of. Um, and this is around money laundering regulations.
0: Yeah, I think that's really important. that People don't expect that. The other thing, um, we'll, we'll talk about solicitors a bit more in a minute, but the other thing people don't expect is that your solicitor is probably going to ask for the same things. They're going to ask for to do it all again basically so you're going to give it to us and then uh as a mortgage broker and then you, your solicitor's going to say oh can i have this and you'll be like well i've already given you that but you haven't you've given it to your mortgage broker and it it does get confusing it does seem like you're doing everything a few times Is the other thing but mm-hmm. uh but yeah i think solicitors will get on to properly in a, in a minute but yeah the the anti-money laundering is big the the other thing to mention with bank statements there uh something you said it, it's to make sure that exactly right, that the that what people tell us is accurate. And um, I think one of the biggest pieces of advice I can give someone that's looking for a mortgage is be honest with your mortgage broker. So if you've got something on your credit file or if you've got something in your bank statement that you think might affect it, don't try and hide it. We're going to find it anyway, or the lender will find it anyway, or the solicitor will find it anyway. There's so many people that are going to look at your documents that someone is going to find it anyway. So it's really important you be up front with your mortgage broker because then they can make the proper recommendation. So if you've got a missed payment on your last direct debit for, I don't know, TV license, tell your mortgage broker because they'll then go, oh, well, what happened there? And you can say, well, oh, sorry, I was changing bank account and this happened and then that's, that's why it's like that. But if you're not upfront with your mortgage broker, they'll make the wrong recommendation or they might make the wrong recommendation and then you going to have to apply for multiple mortgages. And that's, I think, where um, sometimes people end up going to one lender and then changing lender because they've not been up front. So I think it's really important that you're up front.
1: Well, one other thing to say on that, Mark. When when, uh, when we ask for three months bank statements, it needs to be the proper bank statement. <laughs> yeah. screenshot is not acceptable. It yeah. needs to be the banks or the lenders will need to see the full statement with your name your address, the account number. When you come to passports and driving license, utility bills, same. Don't, yeah. just, don't just send a screenshot of your picture uh, and the number of missing on the bottom because we'll just have to come back and ask you to resend it to us. Yeah.
0: Which happens a lot more than oh. you'd expect. <laughs> um, I think if I got a a panel of mortgage brokers on here and uh, I, I imagine they could tell us some horror stories about uh, pictures they've been sent of bank statements and things that uh, that haven't really done the job um brilliant. so uh, next thing I sort of get a lot, and uh, it's probably one of the things that first time I always want to know about is what. Uh, what costs are going to be associated with, with getting a mortgage. So obviously they, they know that they're going to be paying a mortgage, but they don't know what the, what the costs are going to be and what ultimately, you know, what other things they're going to have to pay for. Uh, What, what, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, I suppose there's, there's different costs for different people for different mortgages and size of mortgages. Um, but I suppose there's probably four or five things that you need to consider uh, when you're looking at this. The first is obviously uh, there's going to be solicitor's fees. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, because the solicitors don't work for nothing. Um, and actually if they do work for nothing, they might not be the type of solicitor you might <laughs> want to lose because they may never get anything done. Yeah. So uh, solicitor's fees is a big one. Typically, they could be anywhere between, say, £1,500 and £2,000. Uh, some may be more, some may be less. It really, really depends on each of them in individual. Um, valuation fees. Uh, when you find your property and you ask uh, uh, someone to submit an application for you, sometimes there will be valuation fees. Sometimes, depending on the type of mortgage, they'll be free. Sometimes uh, people might want a home buyer's report. That doesn't come free with, with a mortgage. You may have to pay £400 or a, a, that, or sometimes people might want a full structural survey. These are generally down to the individual, to the purchaser and what you want. Um,
0: yeah, I mean, I think um, surveys are really important to mention actually because I think everyone should get a proper survey done, whether a home buyer's report or a full structural, first-time buyers especially because um, I don't know about you should, but when I bought my first house, I I didn't have a clue what what to look for in the property. So you're walking around it and you're like, "Well, these these walls are nice, you know. That's a nice window over there. I like the look at that." But you don't know what to look for to if you if there's damp or anything like that. And a, a basic valuation from a lender isn't going to tell you that. So I think home buyer reports really should be considered by most people.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a cost, but it could be. obviously, if you're looking at a new build property, mm-hmm. then then that, that's not something that you're probably going to take into account. But any property of any age, um, it is worth considering that for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah.
0: Um, the other big one to speak about, you've, you've covered most of them there, is broker fees. Um, your mortgage broker will more than likely charge you a fee and um, it can range can't it so it varies a lot depending on the broker depending on the complexity of your case as well so uh if you're coming in and you're doing a really complicated mortgage just like joint borrower sole proprietor and you've got three or four people on the mortgage it's probably going to cost more than if you're just doing a straight um we're both employed and uh, and we've got our own deposit and you know there's there's very straightforward mortgage um but yeah i would say mortgage broker fees can can vary quite a lot depending on your situation and the mortgage broker you
1: use correct there there can also be a a product fee you know for the type of product you're going to take out for your mortgage sometimes you can add this to your mortgage uh, so you might not physically need to pay that fee one thing you do need to keep in mind if you do that is you'll pay interest on it obviously Mm. um but you may decide to pay that fee and then not add it to and pay the interest on that as well
0: yeah i I'd say it's very common to add it to the mortgage I think most people probably do um in my experience anyway um but of course you don't have to and if you don't want to you can um you can always pay it um right out of your savings perfect i think that's pretty much the main fees done there are always going to be little things that you might get as well like if you want an energy certificate you might pay for that or if you um there, there might be small fees like chaps fees or bank transfer fees to transfer money and things like that there are little there, there are other fees potentially but those are all sort of the big ones um the next thing i get asked a lot is uh should i buy a new build property And or should I buy a second-hand home? Uh, I I mean, I call them second-hand homes. I think that's a probably (laughs) really bad way of 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 uh, of calling them. You shouldn't call them that. But um, what what would you say are the advantages and disadvantages of of both what of new builds and
1: um, and
0: pre-existing
1: homes? (laughs) So um, so so I've had both. So uh, I've had a couple of new build properties uh, I've purchased. Uh, existing properties out there that are not new build. Um, I, I suppose there are advantages and disadvantages. Advantages of new build property is um, it's fairly straightforward. There's no one in a chain below the new build, uh, generally, or above that. So you haven't got to wait for someone. Sorry, above the chain, you haven't got to wait for someone to to purchase it there. And that helps out. But the biggest with uh, that is. You probably get a ten years builder's guarantee with it, uh, and hopefully, when you move in, it should be nice and shiny uh, and brand new. And you might not have to decorate for two or three years, <laughs> and, uh, so <laughs> uh, it could be of sound construction. Uh, and and lots of people like uh, moving into a property for the first time and no one else has been in there before. Mm,
0: um, yeah, definitely.
1: There, there are some schemes out there to support people in you build as well. Um, we're just about to lose help to buy. Um, but there are uh things, uh, there's, there's a couple of schemes going around at the moment, uh, something called first home scheme, um, mm. and also a uh, deposit unlock scheme. So, there's schemes around there that can help with that. Um, the yeah, the, the advantage of existing properties, uh, I suppose, is you can see what you got and it's still standing after a number of years. Yeah,
0: um, I think that's the uh, the thing, right? So, you know, that um, you know that you know what you're getting you know you can see that it's there you can see that someone's living in it so there's obviously well i say obviously there's nothing wrong with it but in theory there shouldn't be anything wrong with it because who's going to live in a house with you know a broken boiler people aren't going to do that in general so uh, i think yeah i i, I think it, there is that um the other obvious obvious benefit is usually for the same property of the same size you pay less for a um a pre-existing home second hand home um than you would for a new build generally uh, so new builds tend to be a bit more expensive um you mentioned a couple of schemes there the the first home scheme is new and there isn't much of it around i wish there was because it would be perfect for replacing help to buy but it's it's just not very uh, very accessible at the moment the deposit unlock scheme that you mentioned there as well is um is It's a good scheme and there are lots of lenders on it now because up until a few months ago, there was only like two lenders that were doing it. But basically, it just means you can use a 5% deposit to buy a a new build property, which is really good. Um, But there are obviously lenders that were doing that anyway. So swings and roundabouts. Um, Brilliant. Okay, so uh, why don't we go through the entire process and what it would look like start to finish so people can... Have an idea of what to expect throughout the process. um What's the What's the first thing a person wanting to potentially buy a house should do?
1: Uh, you talk about once they've got over the nerves and I a nerve wracking. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, do they get over that? <laughs> I think when I bought my first house, I didn't. I was I, until I had the keys. I think I was a nervous wreck. But uh, I, I, yeah. I
1: suppose the first thing is, I suppose that you really, really should do is find out how much it's possible for you to borrow yeah um just on the fact that you know we can get a bit carried away uh, and see these beautiful places and think that's why i want uh only to come down in, 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 in a little bit uh, when it's unaffordable so um mm. the first thing people ought to do really is look and find out exactly how much they can borrow what's what the possibility is
0: yeah i mean that's exactly right and um i suppose the main thing to note here is obviously we're going to say go speak to a broker we're brokers but the The advantage of going to a broker, instead of just walking into your branch of your bank, is that your if you walk into your branch of your bank, they are going to only have access to their products. So they're only going to have the affordability calculator for their bank, and they're only going to have access to their products, which could be... I don't know, it could be 20 products, it could be five, it could be three for all we know, but uh, it depends on the lender, right? But um, they will only have access to their own products. Whereas if yeah. you go to a mortgage broker, so they're going to have access to dozens of lenders um, usually and, and thousands of products potentially. So they, they are going to be able to look at affordability with different lenders. And that's another important thing to mention that, Affordability changes from lender to lender, so yeah. we will compare lots of lenders, won't we? When we do a uh, when we look at affordability for a client, and it can vary. So you might get one hundred and fifty thousand from one lender, but another one will go to two hundred and fifty thousand, just yeah. because of how they calculate things and how they stress test things. So it can vary a lot. I think And I think that's why it's really important to go to an advisor.
1: I think the other thing to say around that is as well. We can book an appointment over the phone with a client at short notice. And as long as they've got the information of earnings and it's correct, um, we can do that over the phone in 15 minutes. Uh, yeah. Uh, where, whereas uh, the odds are, if you're going to go to your own bank, apart from the fact that you're not going to uh, get a, a varied a, a amount of different offers out there, um, you probably have to book an appointment and go down and see them face to face and take a lot of time. So. Yeah. I think at this stage, you want you want an idea how much you can borrow, um, then that's a good time to speak with a broker. And there's no, you know, a broker, a good broker is not going to charge you for that service.
0: No, 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 definitely not. I don't think, well, uh, I'm sure some might, but, um, but definitely not most of them. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, right. So you've, uh, you've spoken to your mortgage broker because of course you're not going to go to your local bank. You're going to go to a mortgage broker. They've got more options. And then, um, they've given you an affordability calculation. So they've probably told you how much you can borrow. And they might have told you what lender it is that would be the best fit for you. So they've gone through everything and they've given you an idea of how much you can borrow, which lender is gonna be best for you, what the interest rate might be. Usually I, I would say you probably know at that point as well, right? So yeah. you're, you're gonna get an idea of everything at that point. What's the next step for them?
1: The next thing you wanna be able to do is uh, to get an agreement in principle. Uh, that This means that when you've chosen the lender, you've chosen the product so you know how long you want your mortgage for, um, we can source that with the lender for the product and of the information that you provide us and we put into the system, it will say whether or not that they're in agreement to lend you that money. The the, the really positive thing about this is that once you have an agreement in principle, you can confidently go and look at any property and, within the boundaries of the affordability that they've given you and talk to an estate agent or wherever you're purchasing and say, I'm a first-time buyer. I have an agree- agreement in principle. I'm ready to go. That will already stand you in good stead.
0: Right, exactly that, right. That's the important thing. So um, if you go to an estate agent and you say, look, I'm a first-time mm-hmm. buyer, that means you've got no chain behind you. You've got no one buying your house. So you're I'm a first-time buyer I've already been to a mortgage broker. They've given me a mortgage in principle. That means you're incredibly proceedable for that estate agent. So your offer yeah. is probably worth more than someone that comes along and says, "Oh, no, I haven't got a mortgage in principle yet. I've got to sell my house. It's not even on the market yet." You know, you're in a position to move ahead. So that makes you really. I, I hadn't even um, thought to mention that. So yeah, that's really important.
1: Yeah. Uh- um once yes, you've right. got that then then you need to go and see an estate agent or someone go <laughs> online mm. go and find a property yeah go and find a property that fits that, you know fits what you're looking for
0: yeah i think um most people probably see five or, or even ten sometimes properties before they find the right one i mean i've got clients that He'd probably seen 15 or 20 and and sometimes it's not straight away but I would say for the most part people just know when they go see the a property that they will know that's the one and um and it, it, I think it is like that and I, I always say to my clients like you'll know you'll know when you find the right one you'll go and see someone you'll be like oh and and you shouldn't just settle for the first one you find but well I mean, it's up to you yourself, and you can buy whatever house you want. But I think it's important to say that that um, a lot of people will see multiple properties before they find the one that they want.
1: Correct. Oh, but but look, let's be honest. sometime the first one you're going to see is the one. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, there's no rhyme or reason to any of it. I mean, it tends to happen a lot more with new build. To be honest, mm-hmm. um, because with new build, you know, you can see the show homes, you can see the plans, you maybe even be able to see the property. So, with, with new build, quite often, uh, if it's the right area for you uh, and a lot of things tick the boxes, you may literally go to one development and find what you want.
0: Yeah, I think um, new build is almost probably going to be like a whole other episode. I think there's so much to talk about with new build that um, we would probably need a whole episode to do it. So, I think um, that I, th- I think it really, really could be. Um, a whole a whole thing because there's so much going on with new build, what to expect and the fact that you can't see the home you're buying, I think is probably the most important thing, so most of the time you'll go and see a home and it will yeah. look like a home that you're going to buy, but it's not going to be the one you're actually going to get, that's going to be around the corner and is just a pile of rubble at the moment, so yeah. I, I think, yeah, a new build is, um, it, there's a lot to consider when buying new build as well Definitely. Um, Definitely. Okay, so you found the per- perfect property and you've um you've put in an offer. Uh we could talk about how much to offer, but uh I think we'd be here all day because it, it's a, a debate that people seem to have. I get asked it a lot, but um but you've put in an offer, whatever your offer is, whether it's five thousand under, ten thousand over, whatever your offer is, it's been accepted. Um yep. so the estate agent tells you, look, the um the seller has accepted your offer. What happens next?
1: Next thing is, you need to work quite quickly now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, you need to go back to whoever you're dealing with, whether that's your bank, your building society, or the broker, and say, I found my property. Here are the details. Can you get me a mortgage on this right now? <laughs> and yeah. they're going to say, We're going to need to uh, submit an application for your mortgage application. Mm-hmm. Now, there's going to be things that we need for this. Okay. We need the exact address. Uh, We need the exact price. Um, We're going to need to know what solicitors that could be working on your behalf and you can talk to us about that or you can find them yourself. You know, it's exactly what you want. Um, And you're also going to need to decide whether you're happy to just run with the valuation um, that's going to be done by the provider or whether you want a home buyer, structural survey, whatever. So the first thing is an application needs to be submitted but you will need other information um, that you might not have provided at that time uh, to be able to submit that application.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's, um, that's pretty much it. I was thinking while you were talking there and um, uh, I was going to save some stuff about solicitors, but I think again, solicitors is probably a whole other episode. <laughs> As we're doing this, I'm like, Oh, we're going to have to do an episode on this and that. But like, I, I think there is a-, a lot to think about when you're, you're, picking a solicitor and i think there are definitely going to be slower ones and faster ones and better ones and things like that um i think in short the thing i can say about solicitors is you get what you pay for if they're the bottom end of the price range they're probably not going to be as responsive as someone at the top or middle of the price range and there's a lot to consider there but um but yeah i think we could go on about that for a while yeah definitely um right Okay, perfect. So you've got your mortgage application in and um, uh, you know you can sit back then, right? You know, so as, as a first-time buyer, your job is done. So over to everyone else. So um, what happens after your application goes in?
1: Okay, so your application goes in. At this time now, the lender will instruct a valuation to take place. Um, if you want a home buyer's report, you can have that through um, the, the lender. They can probably arrange that for you to be done at the same time. You may want something independent for that, but either way, the the, the lender is going to have valuation take place for their purposes to ensure that the valuation of property stacks up to what they're going to lend. Um, yeah. When they receive that back, then they will do their compliance and underwriting and look over your whole case, so they've got a the valuation and now the fits. They'll check any documentation. Um, that is, they want to come in and make sure everything stacks up for them to be in a place that if all the boxes are ticked for them to make you a mortgage offer
0: yeah i mean that's that's it that, uh, there's nothing i can say there that is that is what happens so yeah i think um i think that that's pretty much covers what's going to happen between application and uh, an offer so when the offer comes out um the you're, if you've gone for a mortgage broker they'll probably let you know um they will they might send you a copy of it but it'll be their copy probably so it won't be the official copy that you'll probably get that through the post um but uh, they'll you'll get your official mortgage offer at which point you can sort of jump up and down and happy days right that's because essentially once you've got your mortgage offer uh that's your mortgage secured that's that's you know thats celebration time and then from there there's not much more mortgage wise to do really i think um i would say the, the the once the mortgage offer's out that's your mortgage underwriting bit done so your mortgage has been approved essentially at that point and then yeah. the the rest of the process is down to solicitors um what would you say happens after the mortgage offer before you can move into your house
1: okay so um the solicitors will get their own copy uh, of the mortgage offer. Um, you would have probably told them that that's on its way over by then because you're going to be so excited and jumping up and down. We'll all be breathing a big sigh of relief. And um, uh, and at that time, um, they will then start carrying out the searches and inquiries that they need to do to assure you that everything is bona fide in a good state and legally Um, you're not going to be in a bad place if you were to purchase and go through to completion on this property. Um, When that's done, and they are happy with everything and they've told you that, they will look then with the other party to set a date for exchange of contracts. Um, And Mark can probably explain a little bit around what that looks like.
0: So uh, something that probably I didn't know when I was... um... Well, before I was in this industry, is that exchange was just a word that was thrown around, and um, and people would say, "Oh, you're going to exchange," then you're complete, and you you hear it thrown around. And um, what I probably didn't realize as a first-time bio like you know, ten years ago, like when someone says exchange, it is actually exchanging contracts. They are actually physically going to send the contracts to each other and um, and and exchange them. So, what will happen is you'll you'll sign your contract. And uh, and that doesn't mean that you've exchanged contracts. It just means you've signed it. And then they will actually physically exchange contracts. But they generally won't do that until they've got a completion date. So they will agree a date for everything to finish, so for you to complete buying the house. Um, and once they've agreed a date, then they will exchange the physically exchange the contracts. Mm. So that ties everything in legally. And from exchange of contracts, that's when... Well, you—I was going to say you can't back out, but I suppose you can back out, but it's going to cost you a lot to do so.
1: Yeah, you've got a, you've got a legal obligation uh, to go mm, exactly at that time. And, uh, actually, one bit I did mean to say is, uh, in, in between that time, you'll get a pack from your solicitor, uh, and uh, you'll open it up and you'll think, "My God, I need to buy some candles to mm. run through this and check everything off." Um, but you will see everything before it gets to that point.
0: Yeah, I remember um, when I moved a few months ago and the the solicitor pack was something like 146 pages or something like that. And and you think, oh, oh wow. I mean, I, I think uh, w- when I send out my fact finder questionnaire to clients and they, you know, it's two pages long. Or page and a half, and uh, and they probably go, oh, that's a lot of information, and then they'll probably get the solicitor one and be like, oh no, it wasn't a lot of information that I had to give the mortgage broker because that there's just healthy. so much from the solicitor that you have to say. So um, yeah, I think the it was, the pack is very very important to to mention actually, so people know to expect it. Yeah, Correct. that's really good. Um, I mean, that's basically everything I think for the for the first time buyer journey. Uh, was there anything else you wanted to add uh, about f- for first-time buyers, anything you wanted to say? Or
1: I, I don't think so, really. I, I think it's all about – you need to research at, at the start, you know, of, of what you're looking at and what you want to achieve at the end. You need to make your mind up whether you're going to run with a bankruptcy or, or whether you're going to take advantage of a broker. Um, and then from there, um, I suppose you've just got to make your choice on, on – once you've done the best route, the broker that suits you, it's not always down to the cost and mm. the fees. It's if, you know, you get the feel that you can work with a broker as well. Uh, and hopefully that broker's in is going to be, do a good job for you. So, um, yeah, I, I think we've probably covered off uh, exactly where it's at. And um, if you're a first-time buyer watching this now, I um, hope you have a great journey.
0: Yeah yeah i think that's uh that's the the perfect ending really i think yeah um whether you choose to go for a bank a building society or a broker i think uh, i hope it goes well for you if you're watching this um or listening to this and um yeah i i think we've given you all the information you probably need um if you have any questions feel free to message us or anything like that and i'll try and mention it on another episode or something like that so um thank you so much for joining us for the mortgages AF podcast. And uh, what we'll do is we'll probably release one of these every few weeks with different information for covering different things. And then, um, yeah, feel free to hit the subscribe button. So you get notifications when they do come out. Um, cheers. Thanks Stuart for joining me for this. Uh, Stuart's going to be here pretty much every week. I think every time I do one of these and, uh, yeah, that was great.
1: Good luck. Enjoy. Cheers. Thanks, guys. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.